If you're going to follow along with our scripture passage and you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the front corners here and in the back, and you're welcome to grab one and turn to the second set of page numbers to page 54. And then if you are using your own Bible, whether it's your smartphone or the one paper Bible like this, we're turning to Luke chapter 10, verse 1 to 11 and 16 to 20. So page 54 in the second set of page numbers of the Green Bibles and Luke chapter 10. So uh, as we come to the word of the Lord, let us pray. God, we pray that uh, we can listen for you today, that Holy Spirit, uh, you will help us to set aside any distractions that come to us, that we will just be present with you um, and ready to hear in this normal activity of coming together as your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Luke chapter 10. After this... The Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, on that day, it will be more tolerable. Oh, I'm not supposed to read that verse because that'll raise more questions than I can answer this morning. Okay, so verse 11, we're going to jump to verse 16. Jesus says to them before he sends them away, whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The 70 returned, so later on they come back. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, so just to side note those things, there's four verses that we kind of skipped because we would have to spend the whole sermon talking about them if we read them. Uh, So we want to focus our attention on a different part of the story, which is part of the beauty of the gift of the word. It's full of things to talk about. So I wonder 
if the most helpful way for us to think about this story of what Jesus is doing with his disciples and what Jesus continues to do with us is to start at the end of it, not at the beginning. To start at the part where Jesus says, yeah, he hears the report of all the amazing things that they have done. And he says, yep, I've seen the effect of it in heaven itself. Where the evil one is coming to learn that his rule and his reign really truly is over. I saw him fall from heaven. I have given you the power to do all of these things. But that's not the reason to celebrate and rejoice, he says to them. The reason to celebrate and rejoice is not the great things that you have done for the kingdom of God. The reason to celebrate and rejoice is because you have been united with me. Your name is written in the book of heaven. And so the key thing that Jesus is telling them in that moment is that knowing him, knowing that they are welcome in the Godhead by him and because of him. Being with him is the greatest thing there is. Greater than any of the accomplishments, greater than any of the successes, even those that are done in the name of the Lord. It starts with that relationship. And when you know and trust in faith that promise is true, you realize you have nothing to lose. And if you realize that you have nothing to lose, we can go back to the beginning of the story and some of the things that make us wonder about what Jesus is doing make a little bit more sense or maybe are a little easier to swallow because Jesus says to them I am leading you out sending you out go on your way he says I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves Jesus I thought you were the one who protected the sheep from the wolves as the good shepherd why are you purposely sending us out to dangerous places Why are you telling us to be vulnerable, to not carry a cloak or a bag or an extra pair of shoes, to not bring any money in our pockets so that we can buy ourselves a meal or a room at an inn to lay our heads at night? Why are you telling us to go completely just as we are? Because we've got nothing to lose. And the map that uh, Nancy and Jerry and her friends showed earlier had Galilee and Judea. And in the middle of the two of those is a place called Samaria. And we know some things about Samaria, don't we? The story of the parable of the Good Samaritan, for instance, uh, tells us about the safety of the roads when traveling through that region. This is also the region where Jesus' disciples, regular or Jewish people in general, tried to go around instead of through, but a place that Jesus continuously sends his disciples through on their way between Jerusalem and Galilee. So Jesus saying, yes, dangerous places, because every place 
is meant to hear the good news that the kingdom of God has come near. But who are the people that are brave enough to go to dangerous places? People who know that with Christ, they have nothing to lose. People who know that leaving all of the extra things behind, because really, who here is not tied to their possessions? Who here does not love their home? Who here doesn't think about being worried about keeping it safe and locked up and when you're traveling? Who here has not been warned about the pickpockets in Paris and other regions of the world? Jesus says, don't carry the extra stuff. Don't talk to anybody on the road. Because when you do that stuff, when you have the stuff that's shiny, people will want to steal it. When people stop you on the road in Samaria, it might be a trap. Like just, you know, common sense. But just because it's not safe does not mean that the kingdom of God is not for that place. And so people whose goal is not the preservation of their stuff, their things, their own lives, but whose goal is to be like the Lamb of God, know that they have nothing to lose, even if they do lose it all. That is the bigness of this call and why it is so hard for us to be part of the harvest. So hard for us to truly give ourselves completely over to that call. And I'm not saying we all are missionaries that are supposed to be going away, but I'm saying that the same sort of temptation controls our everyday lives. The same resistance of vulnerability that Jesus is calling them to, to be like him, the Lamb of God, who came into the world as a baby and was always the guest, never in the place of safety and comfort, but always the guest as he traveled around the Holy Land. Always the guest. How often do we feel like we're the guest? And how often do we prefer to be the host? Because when you're the guest, you've got nothing to lose. You can see what may come. You've already taken the step of saying, it does not have to be my way. I can go and see what will be. And because we are following the Lamb of God, we are not following as people without anything to offer. Because we are following the Lamb of God, we follow and give as the Lamb gives. He says, whenever you go to a home, give them peace. And don't worry, you have nothing to lose. It's not like if you give them the peace, it runs out and you're going to be dry for the rest of the trip. Your peace will return to you because it is not our peace that we give. It is the peace of God. And to be a guest is to look around and wonder what the peace that is needed is when we arrive to a new place. To trust that God is already present and at work in a space 
and that he will return to do an even more specific work in that place. Remember how he says to the disciples, well, he says in the scripture passage, it said that he is sending them out, and this is a pattern that Jesus has three times in like one chapter of the Gospel of Luke. He does this three times where he sends messengers ahead of him to prepare the people to receive him, to go where he himself intended to go. And we know that the kingdom of God is already at hand and already here. But what does it mean for us to think about the fact that when we go places, we proclaim that the kingdom of God is here and prepare the people for an even more direct, clear encounter with Jesus? That we help them to understand by the peace that we give, the actions that we do, the words that we say, the very act of being vulnerable with them. That the kingdom of God has come near and that when they meet Jesus, they will know because they recognize it from what we have done in their presence. How powerful of an opportunity that is. That Jesus invites us into this work with him. And it is pretty cool to think that us living this kind of life is the thing that helps Satan finally get the message that the battle has been won. To help him finally realize that his attempts to control and to hurt and to sow seeds of injustice and strife and death is futile because we go everywhere we go with peace, with the kingdom of God. And we have nothing to lose if people say yes or no to it. That's not our job. That's the job of God. We have nothing to lose if they reject us. We just move on out. Moving on up. Because Jesus says, yes, I have told you to do all these things. I have given you the power to do it. But that's not the reason we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate from people knowing that they have been united with me and their eternity in heaven awaits. We're going to celebrate as more people come to know who I am, and who I say they am, they are. And the best way for us to do that is to not be comfortable at home, but be vulnerable and willing to go as guests in all kinds of ways and places, in our city, and even trying to maybe even be a guest in our own house, where we seek To not control situations, but to wonder what peace is needed and to offer that peace. To follow in the path of the Lamb of God who says, I lead you out like lambs amongst the wolves, trusting that the Lamb truly is also the shepherd who does not leave us alone and that nothing can harm us even if everything harms us. To try to understand what that kind of trust is means and to celebrate and to tell the victory stories of how these things have become part of God's victory song 
but to most importantly, like we talked about last week, know God and have everything flow from that life with him. Amen. Okay, we're going to sing a song that is our prayer of trusting that if we start with knowing God, we will learn, you know, the disciples and the 70 that are sent out after them are people who spent time with God and got to know God in Jesus. And I wonder if that didn't help them when they were sent out to do what Jesus is calling them to do. And so we're going to spend this prayer uh, committing ourselves to that work of knowing and resting with him so that we might go where he has called us to go.